0: Chapter four of the Brown Brethren This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. The Brown Brethren by Patrick McGill. Chapter four To the Trenches I knew a bird at Amersmith and three or four at Bow, but that was fore the war begun, a damn long time ago. But I'm a blurry tommy now, and never lose a chance, when far away from dear old smoke, to kiss the girls of France. Never lose a chance, lead the deers a dance. not bad at Amersmith. God, it's fun in France. From Forgotten Girls It was early morning. The soldiers billeted in Y Farm were rousing themselves and making preparations for the march up towards the firing line. It was now coming toward the Christmas season. The weather was cold and rainy, the farmyard damp and muddy, and a haze rose over the midden in the center of the yard. Inside the farmhouse two officers were sitting down at the only table, eating a breakfast of bread, butter, eggs, and tea. The soldiers were in the barn preparing their early meal. The barn scene in the daylight was a cold, bleak, cheerless place, and a broken roof and rough, uneven floor. The men shivered as they toiled. They had slept in the cold and felt frozen when they got up. A big fire had been lit in the byre beneath. The smoke filled the whole place and stung the eyes of the soldiers who worked at the cooking. Sergeant Snogger was superintending operations upstairs and fretting, fuming and coughing. He was in a very bad temper, having lost a week's wages at the gambling table the night before. "'Hurry up, you men!' he yelled. "'I never see this slummocky a crush in my natural. "'You're slouchin' about same as if you were in the trenches. "'Come on, Bowdy, come on, Fitz. "'Get a blurry move on you, spudhole "'You're drowsy, man, you're drowsy. "'You must wake up. "'We're off from here in an hour's time, "'and we've a long march before us. "'You'll be in the trenches for Christmas.' "'Where are we stopping tonight?' asked Fitzgerald, "'who was pouring tea into a mess tin of boiling water, "'brought up from the byre.' At the Ritz," said Snogger with fine irony. "I heard we were billeting at Viente," someone remarked. "I thought we were bound for Bethune," Bowdy Benner said as he lifted a rasher of bacon from the lid of his mess-tent. "You thought," sputtered Snogger. "God Almighty, man! You're not paid to think in the army. If you think too much, you'll find yourself damn unlucky. Anyhow, you'll find things hot in the trenches when you get there. This time, I'm telling you," he continued lowering his voice. There's big things in the wind. We are going up by slow stages. I'm glad that we're going. I don't like these rests. There's too much damned work to do. Give me the trenches when I'm on the lookout for a cushy time. It's better than here. The sergeant took stock of the apartment with vigilant eyes. Now this has to be swept up for you go away, he said. All fag ends, straw, and everything has to be cleaned out. "'What's the hell good o' cleanin' this caboosh?' growled Bub. "'It can't be made clean.' "'It's got to be done,' said Snogger, raising his eyebrows with the decision of a verdict beyond appeal. "'It's orders, and if orders isn't obeyed, you'll find yourself damned unlucky. Has anyone got a fag to spare?' Somebody handed the sergeant a cigarette, and he lit it. This seemed to put him in a good humor, and he began relating to Bowdy Benner's the story of his card playing the night before couldn't get a card he said i was dead off all the night once i got a top trotter but sergeant mcmanus had a preol of deuces i went some money on my hand and that go but it's as i've always said when a man's luck's out it's out but when it's in it's sin the sergeant paused as if waiting for the full wisdom of his remark to sink into bowdy's brain "'Then he shouted at the top of his voice, "'Get ready, men, get ready. "'We'll soon be moving off,' and went out to the farmyard. "'Much work was yet to be done. "'Rifles had to be cleaned. "'Odds and ends had to be collected from the straw. "'Here a knife and fork was found. "'There an entrenching tool handle. "'Tin of bully beef, a towel, and a cake of soap. "'A great amount of stuff is lost in large barns. "'Things disappear mysteriously, lost in the straw or stolen.' perhaps by the children of the billet soldiers treating themselves to meals at village cafes often find themselves served up with bully beef in new guise outside in the farmyard the fowls were standing on the smoking midden several of them scratching the dung with crooked claws in search of worms in the midst of the assembly a rooster proud as lucifer was clucking amorously now and again he selected a gentle hen walked leisurely round her and strove to attract her attention The hen would fix a careless but coquettish look on him, stretch out a wing and stand on one leg for a moment. Afterwards she would succumb, and the triumphant sultan would stretch out his neck and crow a challenge to any cock that dared to listen. At the hour of nine the battalion was ready to move off. The men were in good temper now and full of confidence. The everyday inspection of equipment had gone through, rifles had been examined, and the men's feet looked at. "'All were so cool that it was difficult to believe that they were going up to the trenches, "'in which doubtless a number of them would lay down their lives. "'Most of the soldiers carried big French loaves on the back of their packs. "'The loaves had been holed through the middle, a string was placed in the hole, "'and tied to the D's on the braces. "'Sergeant Snogger made a final inspection of his platoon. "'Have you everything?' he asked. "'Then, without waiting for an answer, he went on, of course you should have everything.' "'If you haven't, you have it, and that's all. Here, where the devil is Fitz?' he asked. "'Forgot something, and he's gone into the barn,' Bub replied. "'I see, I see,' said Snogger, winking knowingly. Fifi has gone in, too, to help him look for what he's forgot. "'He's fairly dotty on the bird,' said Bub. "'But he's forgotten himself,' Snogger remarked. "'If Captain Thorley finds him missing, he'll be for it. "'Ah, here he comes.' "'Fitzgerald came out from the barn fully equipped and took his place in the ranks. "'You're just in time,' said Snogger. "'Another minute late and you'd be for it.' "'Fitzgerald laughed awkwardly and cast a sheepish glance back at the barn. "'Fifi was standing at the door and Bub vowed she was crying. "'Fancy your crying cause you're going off,' Fitzgerald did not reply. "'The company marched off, the men singing at the tops of their voices.' spudhole as was his wont leading the singing he was a most vivacious youth full of high spirits and good humor fond of his fun and his beer and as vital at the end of a journey as at the beginning despite the distance which a regiment may travel the soldier is as circumscribed in his area as the spoke of a limber wheel the space is confined and spudhole bub was no less a prisoner on the march than he had been in the guard room Always the same mates in front, the same ruddy necks pressed sturdily back, the same red-brick hands swinging across the khaki, the same entrenching tool handles waving backwards and forwards, the same round loaves tied to the packs, the same red-haired sergeant with the tops of his ears pressing tightly to his head, the same platoon commander who now and again stood out from the ranks and shouted the ancient words of command, Get a step there, get a step, or cover up from the front, or some such order. Once in every hour a whistle was blown, and the whole battalion halted. The captain of a company would step out in front, halt, turn about, and shout at the top of his voice, Ten minutes left to the road, fall out. The men would loosen their equipment and throw themselves down anywhere. Cigarettes would be lit, jokes passed, and and rations taken out of Haversack's. Few would drink from their water bottles, sipping the water carefully, for it was impossible to know when the next pump would be reached. The end of the fourth hour and the sixteenth fag, Spudhole computed the length of a march by the number of fags he smoked on the route. Fitzgerald, who had been silent for quite a long time, turned to Benner's and said, You know, I had a damn strange dream last night. i dreamt that I was up in the Trench is fighting a big German who got in my way somehow, and he ran his bayonet through my neck. "'You may get killed this time,' said Benners. "'No, not this time,' Fitzgerald replied. "'I had decided by the cards last night. Red, I come back safe. Black, I don't. I said to myself, cut the cards and turned up the ace of hearts. A good omen.' Here, old Fitz,' muttered Spudhole, he's always pulling our legs.' "'You don't understand, Spudhole,' said Fitzgerald. "'I'm damned superstitious. "'Once I dreamt—' "'One night I had a dream,' Bub interrupted. "'Dreamt I was avin' a feed at the S.P.O. shop. "'Next day I was at the street corner, a dogger on for flatties. "'As I was there, a copper comes round the other, "'turning and flops into the banker's school. "'Twas an arf a Barney. "'They sets about him and knocks him down, "'and I gets his at, and I kicks it along the street.' Didn't Arf make a big hole in it, either, but I was unlucky, for two other coppers comes up and collars me. I was put in the reformatory. Sergeant Snogger detached himself from the ranks. Who's got a fag to give away? he asked as Fitzgerald came up. Here's one, said Fitzgerald, handing the sergeant a cigarette. Have you heard about the German, as was captured about here the other day? asked Snogger, marching by the side of Fitzgerald and lighting the fag. He was got sleeping in a ruined cottage near the Café Bellevue, dressed in khaki with the badge of the ASC. Good God, I must have met that man, said Fitzgerald, and told for the first time the story of his adventure on the night of his return from the café. He told the story in full, frequently interrupting himself and going back in the narrative to present a detail which he had forgotten. When he had finished, he looked at Snogger, who had listened very attentively and suddenly realized that the sergeant did not believe him. To be sure, Fitzgerald had wandered away a little from the absolute truth, and the story of his own behavior had lost nothing in the telling. A sarcastic smile showed on Snogger's lips, and Fitzgerald suddenly wished that the narrative had never been told. Damn good, or in French, tre blurry fine story. That A.S.C. bloke told me all about it. He was one of your own men, too, not an A.S.C. at all. You don't know the feller. He's in another company, but he's always up to a joke. We planned it all out in the café after old Fatty had told that cock-and-bull story about the Germans breaking through. The A.S.C. man was to wait for you on the road outside. Wasn't that a ticket spuddle? That was how we planned it, said Bub. Fitzgerald puffed his cigarette viciously, and his face was crimson. For a moment he was silent, then he spoke, turning to Bub. "'I cannot follow you,' remarked, Bub,' he said in a slow voice. "'The crash of your falling H's drowns out all other sounds. You should take a lesson in pronunciation from Sergeant Snogger. If you listen to him when he orders the Warewanks wanks to wipe their wifles with woily wags, you can't fail to become a master of English as he has spoken.' The sergeant blushed red as a beetroot. His imperfections in speaking were a great eyesore to the man, and only once before had he been twitted about the matter. Then thick ears and black eyes were kept as mementos of the occasion. But now he could say nothing. He had given Fitzgerald sufficient provocation to warrant the jibe. Without another word he went to the head of the platoon. Fitzgerald relapsed into silence, and the march went on. At one o'clock came the order. Halt! Halt! left of the road, fall out, and the men sat down wearily. Their packs were very heavy, and their weight seemed to increase at every yard, justifying the soldier's proverb, an ounce at the start is a pound at the finish. Blimey, I don't know how we carry all this, your clobber about with us, Spudhold muttered, leaning back on his pack and stretching out his legs to their fullest extent. Baliklavi helmet, trench helmet, gas helmet and cap, the enumerated, bay net, ipe, trunchy-tool, munition, under and eighty rounds, housewife, old-all, ground-sheet, mess-tin, razor, soap, comb, towel, paybook, clasp-knife, iron rations, knife, fork, and spoon, a bottle of water, a tin of condensed milk, a tin of café au lait, chocolate, matches, and a box of fags. I'll carry your fags for you if you like, said Bowdy Benners. "Will yer?" muttered Bub. "'I've lost things that way for now. "'There are a lot of things which you haven't mentioned yet,' "'Fitzgerald remarked. "'There is the first field dressing, the loaf, your overcoat, "'and spare shirt, pants, socks, and vest. "'By the way, what are we stopping here for?' he asked. "'There's no sign of dinner as far as I can see.' "'You're damned unlucky about dinner,' said Snogger, "'coming up that moment. "'There's no dinner, not yet for a while, anyhow. "'We're going away ere by bus as soon as they come along.' "'Where to?' asked Bowdy Benners. "'Om, Snogger answered sarcastically. "'Om to the trenches. "'Big doins up there, I suppose. "'It's like the blurry army,' Bub remarked, "'with an air of finality. "'Turnin' us out to fight "'when we're just ready for a bit of grub. "'I never could old with this ear war. "'Look, there they come, curse em. "'An omnibus came in sight, "'and a second, a third, "'coming from a village through which "'the battalion had just passed.' As the vehicles drew up, the spirits of the soldiers seemed to rise. Jokes were passed with the drivers, mock inquiries were made, and jesting answers were given. Is this the bus for Wandsworth? Not this one. Next along this way. Number thirty-two. Fares, please. Full inside. Room for two on top. Etc. The soldiers got on to the buses, which set off hurriedly when all were aboard. Nobody seemed to know where the battalion was bound for. But all anticipated big things ahead. The soldiers' hearts vibrated with a strange expectant thrill. Something great was going to happen. Where? When? The men asked one another, but none could answer the questions. They stood on the threshold of great events. Children outside the door of a chamber of mysteries. End of chapter 4 To the Trenches